Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. So for almost two years, Haley and I have been working in our front yard. I really do not enjoy yard work at all. I don't mind cutting grass, but I really don't enjoy trimming bushes. We've been taking out some trees, and currently we're redoing our front flower bed. And it's been a pretty good project, and I just I can't wait for it to be done. I can't wait. That's a line that God has laid on my heart this week, something that I've been thinking about, some phrases that I have said, some phrases that I have heard other people say. I can't wait for this social distancing to be over. I can't wait for this quarantining to be done. I can't wait for all of us to be able to gather together in our building once again. I really can't wait for our lobby and auditorium renovation to be over. I remember when I was younger, I couldn't wait till I graduated high school. I couldn't wait till I could drive. I couldn't wait till I could go to college. When I was in college, I couldn't wait till I was done with college. Then I couldn't wait to get a job and I couldn't wait to get married. Couldn't wait to have kids. I can't wait for my kids to be grown or I can't wait to retire. I just, I feel like so many of us are waiting on when. We're waiting on this moment in the future that we think is gonna be so much better than the present. Maybe you've said something like, I can't wait till I can go back to work or when I can get a better job or when I can find somebody to marry, when we can buy a better house, when we can actually afford the boat, maybe when we can retire and travel the world. There are really two dangers to waiting on when. I think the first one is that it causes us to live in a world of discontentment. And that can be a very dangerous place for us to live. When we live in discontentment, we notice that everything is wrong. We don't really pay attention to the things that are going on around us that are going right. We just focus on everything that's wrong right now. Or we focus on what we don't have instead of what God has actually given us. We're not satisfied with the things that He has blessed us with, and we simply focus on what we don't have. And I think it causes our attitude to be sour. It forces us to live with a sense of ingratitude, and that can be a very dangerous place for us to live. But the second danger of waiting on when is that we can miss out on what God is trying to do right now in this season of life. Many of us have been forced to slow down. We're living at a much slower pace right now. A lot For a lot of us, our daily habits have drastically changed. And you've probably said it just like I have. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. But what if waiting on when we actually miss out on something greater that God is trying to do right now? I don't think it's by coincidence that we are in the book of Philippians right now. If you think back, when we started this series... The first lesson that was preached in this series was the first Sunday we gathered together in our gym because of the great Regency flood of 2020. It's not by coincidence that 
last week, our first official week of online worship, was us studying a text in Philippians 4 that talks about us giving thanks in all circumstances, us not being anxious about the situations that are going on around us. And as we close out this series today, as we've been talking about what it means to live a joyful life, to learning to be generous and content, that I believe Paul closes this letter in such a powerful way that we can't say anything else other than this is a God thing, that we are in this book for this season right now. And so let's dive into what Paul says as he closes this letter to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Paul writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, Paul is writing this letter from prison, which makes what he says so amazing and so profound. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need. If you were in prison, would you have some needs? I know I would. One of the needs that I would have is probably a need for some better food. I might want some people to come visit me. I might need a little bit of money to take care of some things that I need to be able to purchase. I would certainly have a lot of needs. And Paul writes from prison and says, I'm not writing from a place of need. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Now this phrase, I have learned, is a phrase that means he has learned with head knowledge. And that's definitely one of the ways that we learn, isn't it? He has spent time contemplating and thinking about what does it mean to be content? How can I be content in every circumstance? I believe that one of the ways that Paul has learned to be content is that he has uh, filled his mind with and has meditated upon Scripture uh, and that one of the passages that maybe was on his mind was Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Listen to what this prophet says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Now we might rephrase that a little bit differently. We might say, though there's no money in the bank account, though there's not a, a car in the garage, though I don't have a check that's coming in right now, though everything in my life is going crazy, though I am quarantined for a, a certain season of life, though we can't meet in our church building, listen to what he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my Savior, of my salvation. Does that not sound exactly like Paul, uh, what he said in this whole book of Philippians about being uh, joyful and rejoicing in the Lord? In fact, in chapter 4, verse 4, he says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll tell you again. I say it. Rejoice. It's a book that's filled with joy, and it's in the midst of, of life's worst circumstances that one of the blessings that we have as believers is that we can find joy in every circumstance, in every situation. That we can rise above what's going on in our life right now, and we can live with a sense of peace. That we don't have to be filled with anxiety, much like others all around us, that we can be filled with the peace that passes all understanding. And Paul says one of the ways that that happens is that we learn to be content. Now, he's going to go on to say in verse 12, he writes, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
Now, Paul knows exactly what it means to be in need. The English Standard Translation says, I know what it means to be brought low. I'll give you a little homework assignment. We'll put it in the uh, extra credit down at underneath this video or in the description. But I want to encourage you to go read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. I'm going to summarize it for you quickly. But in this section of Scripture, Paul summarizes some of the struggles that he's had, some of the things that he has endured and faced in his time as a believer. He says that he was beat with a whip five times that three times he was beat with rods. I don't know which one is worse. Personally, don't want to find out. Once he was hit with rocks until people thought he was dead, and apparently they didn't hit him enough times because he did not die from it, but once he was stoned to death. Three times it says he was shipwrecked and he floated on the sea for a day and a night. Now, could you imagine boarding a plane? And as you sit down, you introduce yourself, And the person beside you says, hi, my name is Paul. I have actually survived three plane crashes. What would you do? You would run off of that plane faster than Usain Bolt, right? You would not stay on that plane. Could you imagine being one of Paul's traveling companions? Who would travel with this guy? If I saw Paul get on a boat that I'm on and I know what he's gone through, or if I'm one of his traveling buddies and Paul says, hey, I want to travel to this place. We're going to get there by boat. I say, no. No, I'm not going down that path with you. I'm not getting on a boat with you. I might not even go anywhere with you. Paul goes on to say that he was robbed. He lived in constant danger. His own Jewish friends tried to kill him shortly after he became a Christian. In fact, he had to sneak out of town. They let him uh, over a wall and let him down the wall through a basket. You can read a lot of these scenes in the book of Acts as it talks about Paul's radical transformation when he becomes a Christian. And as he writes these words, he's sitting in one of the lowest parts of a prison. And he says, I know what it means to be in need. So when Paul talks about being content, he's speaking honestly. He's speaking from experience. In fact, uh, he goes on to say, I know what it means to live in plenty. So on the flip side of being in need, he knows what it means to live with abundance. Some of the back history of the book of Philippians is found in Acts chapter 16. When Paul travels to Philippi, one of the first people that he meets is a lady by the name of Lydia. And it says that she is a God-fearer, that she is a seller of purple things. Now, I don't know how much you love the color purple, but we know based on history that things that were made from purple were very expensive. So Lydia, if you will, is the CEO of a very well-to-do Uh, clothing company, that she is one of the most powerful women in this area. She's one of the most successful people, period, and definitely one of the most successful women in this area. And she's one of the first converts uh, that Paul meets, one of the first people who comes to know Jesus in the region of Philippi. And what she does is she invites Paul and his traveling companions to stay in her home and basically base their ministry operation out of her house for the time that they spend in the region of Macedonia. And so as Paul is living in her house, you could imagine that she's got a great place to live, that he's eating good food, that he's really enjoying himself. And so is it possible that when Paul writes, I know what it means to live in abundance, that On his mind is this group of Christians in Philippi, and he's making them remember, hey, you remember when we first began this ministry here, and I lived in Lydia's house, that we lived well, 
that God took care of us, that God sent Lydia to us to provide for our needs and to help fund this ministry operation. Paul knows what it means to live in need, and he knows what it means to live in abundance. And then he says, I have learned the secret to being content. Now this phrase, I have learned, is not, it's a little bit different than what he said before. Before he said, I have learned to be content through head knowledge, through meditating on what it means to be content. But here when he says, I have learned the secret to being content, he's not talking about head, head knowledge. He's talking about experiential knowledge, that he has learned, he has lived what it means to be content. That's why he prefaces what he says with, I know what it means to be in need, and I know what it means to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content. And living in contentment, it really is a secret. It's something that few of us have found, but all of us need. It truly is a secret. And it's something that you and I would do well to learn the secret, because there are such great blessings when we live in contentment. But I think there's two challenges, two things that God wants us to understand today about living in contentment. The first one is this, that true contentment is being satisfied in the giver, not only in the gifts. Because if you think about it, the gifts that God gives us, that God will give us, they don't really make us content anyways. Think about what's all going on around you. How many of you are so tired already of watching Netflix? You've been locked in your house. You've decided to practice social distancing. You're not going out much. You're staying at home a lot. Your kids are at home a lot. And, and so you're just, you're there with whatever you have and you're already tired of it because stuff doesn't make us content. How many people have already quit paying much attention to the things that they got for Christmas? If you have children, it probably didn't take them long to be dissatisfied or to not have their minds blown every time they walked into, into the room and see what you got them for Christmas. That they've lost that sense of excitement because gifts don't make us content. Stuff doesn't make us content. And here's the point that I think Paul is making for us. If you aren't satisfied by having the Almighty God interested and concerned with your life, then you're not going to be satisfied with what He's given you. I mean, just think about that. Take a moment and just let that thought sink into your brain and into your heart. That God Almighty, who created the universe through speaking it into existence, is concerned and interested in your life. And folks, if that doesn't make us content then what will? Anything that God can give us will not make us content unless we are satisfied with Him. Now, here's the second truth about contentment, the second challenge that I think we can understand from this text, that true contentment is being satisfied with where God has placed you, with what He has given to you, in order to do in you and through you what only He can do. That was a mouthful. I'm going to say it again. True contentment is being satisfied with where God has placed you, with only what He has given you to do in you and through you what only He can do. I want you to think about this. What is God trying to teach you through this season of life? Through all of the isolation, social distancing, quarantining, what is God trying to teach you right now? So I told you at the beginning of this lesson that I've been doing a lot of yard work. And I was out in the yard the other day and I'm 
breaking out a flower bed, trying to just make it a lot smaller, and we're redoing one of our flower beds, and, and I'm working and sweating a little bit, and I've got some AirPods in, and I'm listening to a podcast, listening to some music. It's just kind of quiet. It's just me with some stuff coming into my ears, but really it was just me within my own thoughts. And there was a thought that crossed my mind, something that I don't know if God placed there, but I, I believe it was a gift from Him. Something that was just telling me, enjoy this season. Enjoy this process. Here's one of the reasons why I think God is wanting me to slow down and to pay attention to the things that are going on. Something that God is trying to teach me, and maybe He's trying to teach you from this slower pace of life. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I really have. That just in our neighborhood, more people are out walking this week and over the last week or two than I have seen in the year and a half we've lived in our neighborhood. I am just amazed by the number of people that have been outside. And as I've been out in the yard working, I can't tell you the number of conversations that I've had with people who have just gone walking by, short conversations, long conversations, getting to know people, talking to people that I see but not very regular, getting to know some different neighbors. And is it possible that God is using this season for me to help me make some connections, to build some relationships, to have some conversations with people who I might not otherwise be able to cross paths with? But then there's a second truth that I believe that God has been teaching me from this season, even just working in my yard. As I look at my flower bed right now, and as I look at my yard, it's not where I want it to be. It doesn't look terrible, but it doesn't look great. I believe the end result is going to look really, really good. But it's not there yet. And as as I've thought about my yard, I've actually thought about my life. That my life is not where I want it to be. That my life is not where God wants it to be. That God loves me for who I am, but He loves me too much to leave me where I am. And that God is still working. He's still cultivating my life. He's still removing some things and raking some things out and bringing some things in. That I'm still going through this transformation process that I am not where I'm going to be, but that God is still working in me and through me. And that I can just be content with where God has placed me, that He is still working, that I don't have to beat myself up all the time for who I should be and where I ought to be, that yes, I can keep working towards that end. But God loves me, period. And God is working in my life and through my life to shape me. And God is working in your life and He's working through your life to shape you into who He wants you to be. So just rest in Him. Be content in your relationship with Him. Enjoy this season. Enjoy what He's trying to teach you through this process. And then Paul goes on to write in Philippians 4, that verse that so many of us know. It's a verse that many people have memorized, that many people have uh, on coffee cups and on t-shirts and on wall art that, you know that verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now please understand this. This verse was not written so that you could hit a baseball harder. It was not written so that you could win a game. It was not written so that you could get a 100 on a test. It wasn't written so that you could finish the degree. It wasn't written so that you could get the job. This verse was written so that you could endure And not only endure, but that you could thrive in the season that God has placed you in. That regardless of what's going on in your life, good or bad, God has given you the strength to endure it. That 
is what this verse is about. Paul is reminding us that we can be content in every situation because if we have God, we have everything. If we have God, we have everything. And so if things aren't going great in my life, it's okay. I have God. Therefore, I have everything that I need and everything that I could ever want. Don't just be satisfied with the gifts. Be satisfied with the giver. So let's change the way that we view life. Let's not just talk about the when, but the even if. Don't just wait on the when, but live in the even if and embrace the even if. Even if this is the new normal, we can be content because we have God. Even if things get worse, we can be content because we have God and the strength that he will give us to not only survive, but to thrive in this situation. Even if we struggle financially, we can be content because we have God. Even if my kids don't go back to school till August, we can be content because we have God and coffee. Even if I stay single the rest of my life, I can be content because I have God. Let's change the way that we think about our life. Let's not waste our lives waiting on this moment in the future that we think is going to make everything better because it's probably not. It's probably just wishful thinking. Anyways, let's learn to embrace the present. Let's learn to embrace the struggle. Let's learn to be content in the season of life that God has placed us because he's got something. He's got a gift for us in this moment that in being content, we can actually grow in our relationship with him, that he can do in us and through us what only he can do right now. And so let's learn the secret, as Paul says, to be content. Because there's nothing better that this life can offer you beyond what God can give you. There's nothing that this life can offer you that's better than God anyways. So this week I saw a video by Tim Elmore, who's president of Growing Leaders. We're going to place a link to the video in the description or in the extra credit below this video. He put out this video that caught my eye because the title was, A Pandemic is a Terrible Thing to Waste. I hope you'll take a few minutes to go and watch it. Here's what we know. We know that this pandemic is changing our culture. And Dr. Elmore was not being flippant. He's not downplaying everything that's going on. In fact, in the video, he talks about how this is such a profound moment, that this, that this moment is changing our lives, that we're going to emerge from this as a different people, as a different society, and that we need to embrace this for what it can teach us, and that we don't need to waste it and just wait on life to get back to normal, that we need to grow from this. And so this is going to be a mile marker for many of us for the rest of our lives. And we can easily focus on all the negative that's coming as a result of this. But there can be so many positive things that come as a result of this coronavirus. And there already have. We're seeing people groups come together. We are seeing our nation and our world unite. We are seeing people give sacrificially. We are seeing the church stand and take a presence not only digitally, but just in the world. We're seeing Christians who are giving of their lives. We're seeing people who are praying more than they ever have before. We're seeing groups of people who are coming together. Even though we're separated, our church family is growing closer together, that we are going to be better from all of this, that we can be content. 
Some of life's greatest blessings will come from life's biggest interruptions. So don't waste this moment waiting on when. Embrace this moment for the gift that God has given us. And allow God to do in you and through you what only He can do. Let's learn to be content. Because God will give us the strength that we need to not only get through it, but to grow from it.